0: is awesome. Now don't lie, you've never seen that in church before. Do not lie to me. So what does Born to be Wild have to do with what we're doing here tonight? What is a motorcycle doing on the stage behind me, right? What exactly is going on here? Well, um, Born to be Wild, I think, as we were just talking about this series, is is something that I think is somewhat of an anthem. And I think that it can be an anthem in a couple different ways. I think one of the ways it's an anthem is, I think in a lot of ways, it's sort of an anthem for America, if you think about it, right? It's kind of like a lot of what we believe and a lot of what we've seen is sort of this, this attitude of, well, all right, I'm just I'm just kind of going to do what I want, you know? I'm just going to kind of do what makes me feel good. Right? There's all kinds of songs about it, all kinds of movies about it, right? Um, you know, just go ahead. I mean, what's the point of really caring? What's the, what's the point of worrying about consequence? Like, just go for it, right? And I think for me, it was really the, the theme or the anthem of my first 17 years of life. It was just kind of who I was. It was what I did. It was just sort of whatever I felt like and whatever worked. Now, the funny thing is this, okay, and catch this. It's so powerful, right? The funny thing is that through all those 17 years, I would have told you that I absolutely believed in Jesus, right? I absolutely believed that that Jesus had died for me and had risen again, and that he had taken my sin away, and that he loved me, and that I loved him. But yet, the anthem of my life was born to be wild, in that I basically had no problem believing in Jesus, and yet living like I had no relationship with him. You know and and now a lot of you guys know my story I, I kind of uh, later in college I really kind of started to doubt all that stuff about Jesus and struggle through that and that's where the evidence series came out of but those first 17 years I would have said man I, I love God but what does it have to do with like what I do you know I, I love him because he loves me I love him because he's given himself for me but but how does that really affect what I do what what movies I watch why should that affect how I how I treat my girlfriend, or or purity in relationship, or so so what? Yeah, I love Jesus, but I have no issue, no problem looking at porn. I I love Jesus, yet I have no issue with the way that I treat my parents, or with the the, the language that's coming out of my mouth. I just, it's like two different, two different worlds, right? And so that's the first 17 years of my life, born born to be wild. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, man. Not an issue, no doubt in my mind that he was alive out of that grave. And yet my lifestyle didn't reflect that at all. And then uh, fast forward to maybe say 18 years old, go to school. And what happened there was I, I went from one extreme to the other. I went from born to be wild to basically born to be legalistic or born to be religious. And uh, suddenly I was just the, the person you did not want to be around anymore because I, I was better than you and I could do what I needed to do to kind of earn God's favor and approval. And I just had the self-control or I had the strength and I just knew better than everybody else, you know? And um, one of the interesting things I I remember standing, stands out in my mind about that time in my life was my sister is probably about 16, 15 at the time. And she was home. I was home from, you know, school on break. She's watching a Disney movie. Okay. Like Disney. Okay. And I am sitting in the room and i had found fault with the disney movie and i got up and i walked out all better than my 15 or 16 year old little sister who was a heathen sitting there watching aladdin with just that vest and no shirt on underneath (laughs) you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying all right now isn't that crazy right isn't that crazy that here i am finding issue with this another thing that stands out on my my mind about that time was I was in a, a band with a, a bunch of my friends, and we had this this show out literally eight hours into Pennsylvania from from here. And so we jumped on my mom's station wagon. We had all our gear in the back, and we're driving out. And and at that time of my life, I know this is gonna be shocking. Some of you have driven with me recently, but I would only go exactly the speed limit, and not one, not one. Uh, I almost said degree, not one degree higher. All right, <laughs> not not one mile over that limit. Okay, and so I'm driving and. and my friend Paul, he's sitting in the front seat going, dude, eight hours, dude, like, it's gonna be like 12 hours, right, I mean, please, just go a little faster, I am not going over 55, I am not doing it, I'm not going over 55, and so we're fighting back and forth, and then he says to me, Doug, can I drive, can I drive, I said, sure, man, that's, that's fine, You got to go 55, dude, you know? And and so looking back, I would have killed myself, right? I I recognize this about myself. Now, if you feel like you should go the speed limit, rock on, nothing against you, okay? I just know in my own life, okay, that was something that I almost, like, thought I was better than this guy for, you know what I mean? And so do you see, like, kind of the two worlds that I lived in? And it was really hypocritical and legalistic. That's really what the two worlds were. Okay, it was I believe in Jesus. I have this belief in him, but it hasn't really changed the way that I live my life. And then suddenly it was, well, I really can do what I need to do. You know, I have what it takes here and, and I'm just gonna do it and I'm gonna kinda, you know, look at anybody cross-eyed that thinks different, and I'm just gonna go for it, right? And and this over here was really all about how I was living, and this over here was really about how I was believing, and yet the two were never intertwined. They were never connected. They were never intersecting. They were always separate worlds. Now, I think a lot of us struggle with this. I think a lot of us in the room would say, well, I definitely lean toward the born-to-be-wild side. And others would say, I lean to the born-to-be- legalistic or religious side. The way you can know is your response to this song that we just did. Okay? if when, when, when they started playing that song and you heard the lyrics, you said, H- I am leaving this church. I am never coming back, right? You're probably over here a little bit, okay? Now, if you knew every word to the song, okay, Andrew? Um, no. Okay, so we kind of tend to lean to one side or the other. Now, some of us are going, I'm flat out born to be wild. You know, uh, this is just me. And some of us might be kind of in the middle, but you lean this way. And others might say, well, as soon as you said it, dog, I'm Mr. Religious, I'm Mr. List, I'm Mr. Do-do-do, but it it really doesn't have much to do with the faith and the belief that I have in this relationship with Jesus, okay? I think that America as a whole goes back and forth between these two extremes as well. I think, as as you think about some of the statistics out there, 86% of Americans say that they're Christians, okay? Which, like, just makes me... Just really scratch my baldness here because um, it's actually 80, 83%. Actually, but 83% okay, that's crazy to me because why? 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 Because that has to do with belief. So, 83% of Christians would say, Okay, I believe in Jesus, I believe I'm in a relationship with Him. The reason that makes us scratch our heads is because it sure doesn't seem like 83% of Americans are living, right? The belief is over here. But 83% doesn't really seem like they're living like God has transformed their heart, okay? And now the other side is also true. So we have a lot of Americans who say, well, I believe, okay? We also have 76% saying, well, I'm going to live this thing out. 76% of Americans say that the morality in America is out of control, OK, so again, now you're over here Now let's let's watch what we're doing. Let's watch what we're saying. Let's watch how we're acting. Let's, you know, change all the TV programming and put censoring on the music. And not that that's necessarily bad stuff, but but this is 76 percent of America's plan. OK, so we go back and forth between these two. Right. I mean, you even think of like history and you think of the things that were done in the name of God, like the crusades. Right. You got people who believed it was God's will that they kill other people right? That that they were supposed to just wipe out or annihilate whole people groups, okay? And depending on who you read, the estimates are in the thousands and even some say into the millions of people who, were, who died through the Crusades, okay? And so you have people who either were believing wrong or they were living wrong or, or probably both, okay? So this is important stuff for us to talk about because you lean one way or the other. You do, and you know that already about yourself. Isn't that true? Like, like, as I talked about even the fact that maybe some of the things I did when I was younger, some of you guys almost like approved of that a little bit, you know, that, that was in you. And some of you guys, others, as I talked about maybe some of the things I did when I was living kind of in the born-to-be-wild years, maybe you kind of excused some of that. Well, that's, that's not the end of the world. So, so find yourself kind of leaning one way or the other, because this is, this is what we do. Now, this is so important for us to talk about because the reality is none of us here in this room right? I don't think any of us here in the room would say, I, it is my goal in life to be a hypocrite. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to say I believe in Jesus and live in a way that's completely contrary to that. And I also don't believe that a bunch of you here in the room would say, I just want to be legalistic and religious. I want to try to earn my way toward God and be frustrated under that constant weight and feel like I'm never measuring up and I'm never getting there and I keep striving or the other thing. Uh, the, the other side of it. I, I'm very legalistic, and I think I am measuring up, and so I look down at everybody else, and it's destroying my relationships, and it's destroying my marriage or my friendships, because I'm that guy nobody wants to be around, right? And so, which way do you lean? The reality, guys, is, is that as we lean one way or the other, we're in such a dangerous place, because the truth is, guys, is that belief in life, belief in life, what you believe and how you live, we're never meant to be separated. We've done that, right? As people, we've done that. But they were never meant to be two separate worlds. You see, belief and life were were always meant to be intertwined. They're always meant to come together. They're always meant to meet in the middle. So you could see that one was affecting the other and vice versa. I have a friend. Well, I don't call him a friend. Uh, I know a human being um, who breathes and stuff. And... um, (laughs) This guy is just like a perfect example of this, because he will, in one sense, start to talk very boldly and loudly about his relationship with God, like in an obnoxious way, like you honestly don't even want to hear it anymore. And then in almost the same breath, he will make fun of some ethnic group, or he will make fun of some religious group, or he will just be completely, you know, just inappropriate. And then he'll say something like, well, if people don't like what I say, they're rejecting Jesus, not me. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's you. You know, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that's that's not Jesus. Um, and uh, you know, that is really the danger. That that's where we can end up. And if you're not a Christian here tonight, you are probably thinking, "Wow, okay, maybe you're understanding something about yourself tonight. Why why you don't want a relationship with God? Maybe you're understanding that many of the people you've known that claim to have a relationship with God are either hypocritical, or they're legalistic, or just super religious. And maybe that's been the huge turnoff for you. And so tonight. I want to talk with everybody, Christian or not, about what we're supposed to do. What is this all supposed to look like? And I just want you to know, I wasn't sitting you know, in my office or a staff meeting with the guys like, uh, what's a cool name for a new series? Intertwined, all right, how can I find some scripture to kind of make that work, right? Okay, the reality is, guys, is that it really is I was just praying about where to go here. I felt like God led us to to look at 1 Timothy, the whole book. We're just going to go right through the whole book of 1 Timothy. I'm not going to do it myself. We're going to spend several, several weeks on this, and a couple of different speakers here in the room are going to help me out doing that, which I'm excited about. But as I was studying 1 Timothy, and I'm looking, and I'm saying, what's the theme of the whole book? I really felt like it was this idea that, that he keeps kind of going back and forth between these two. He's saying belief matters, but so does how you live. You know what? How you live matters, but so does how you believe. And he kept talking about the importance of these two. And so tonight, I want to show you just one verse, okay? We're going to look at one verse tonight. And some of you guys might be like, oh, this guy doesn't preach scripture, man. Well, in, uh, in part four or five, I think it is, of this series, we're going to go through a whole chapter in one shot, okay? So sometimes all you need is one verse. Sometimes it's just that powerful. Sometimes it's just that life-changing. And so tonight, we're just going to look at one verse, which I really think is the theme verse of Timothy. So we're not even going to start at the beginning. We're actually going to start in chapter four, And this is, tonight, guys, this is just foundation. This is what you're going to hear through this entire series, is is this main thought that we're going to walk away with tonight is going to be the thing that everything else is built on, okay? So we're going to look at um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and Paul is writing Timothy this letter, and he's kind of mentoring him. He's kind of telling him, okay, here's what you should do, and here's how God wants to use you, and he's an encouragement, and he's kind of keeping him on track. And here's what he says, 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life, and your doctrine closely. Well, real quick, those are the two things we've been talking about this whole time, right? Doctrine, an easy way to define that is a belief or a set of beliefs, okay? So, what is Paul telling Timothy to watch closely? He's telling him to watch what he believes, and how he lives, and I like this idea of watching it closely. Um, As you guys know, we've been playing softball. I've been having a lot of fun, and um, one of my problems, I have many issues at, at, at bat, but one of them is uh, that I take my off the ball sometimes, okay, and so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm going, okay, I'm going to hit it, the right fielder is playing shallow, I'm just going to crush it over his head, you know, and so, uh, you know, the pitch comes in, instead of looking, I'm looking like, you know, and so I'll, you know, it'll be like a little, tiny little dribbler back to the pitcher, or, you know, it'll like go foul, and Kate will catch it, be like, dad, you stink, you know, I mean, just, it's, it's been bad, not that bad, but, um, But one of the things I'm doing with Cade now is is I don't want him to follow in my footsteps. So we play a lot of wiffle ball together. And so one of the things I'm doing, I'm becoming that psycho baseball dad already. Um, I I heard of a Mets player. I'm sorry to even mention that team right now. But um, I heard of a Mets player. I like the Mets. I'm a fan. Don't be hating. Come on. All right. So uh, when I was a kid, none of you guys will know who this guy was, but his name was Greg Jeffries. And his dad... Uh, trained him in a really cool way. He, he would take tennis balls, and he would actually write numbers on the tennis balls. And then he would pitch the tennis balls to his son, and the son would have to be able to read off. So Greg Jeffries would have to read off what number was coming to him at the ball to train him to keep his eye on the ball. So I'm doing that with Cade now, except he's not hitting yet. We're, we're just having a catch, okay? And I got a couple different wiffle balls, and I wrote some numbers, okay? And it's kind of challenging. I want you to say, like, John, can you catch that? Can you, can you, what number was it? Fifteen, but I love you. <laughs> you know what? That if you didn't see the one, it not a five. Okay, um, it was a good try, buddy. Don't beat me up later. Um, and uh, and Cade, you know, he's it's really hard. Honestly, he was throwing it back at me, and I did worse. Uh, I was I was like, is that a hieroglyphic? Like I got it. So uh, you did good. Okay, so I'm trying to teach teach Cade. I'm just saying, dude, keep keep your eye on the ball. Keep watching it. Keep that in focus. And this is what this is what. Paul is doing to Timothy. He's saying, all right, look, 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 keep your eye on the ball. You know what the ball is? You know what you're supposed to keep watch of? Watch what you believe and watch how you live. And I love how he doesn't separate the two, right? What you believe and how you live. They have to go together. They have to be intertwined. And so he says, look, I want you to just be careful about what you believe. And and all through the book, as we're going to see together, he's warning him, don't believe this, don't believe that. This guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Stay away from this. And he keeps coming back to, all right, guys, the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus dying on the cross, rising again. That, keep that central. Keep that focus. Hang on to that. And then he says, but not just what you believe. Also how you live. Also watch the way that you act. Because the truth is, is that the belief has got to change the life. It has to. It's impossible for it not to if you're in a relationship with Jesus. And so he's saying, be careful, because if you keep your eye on your beliefs, then your life will be changed because of those beliefs. And if you keep your eye on your life, then you'll see that you're being empowered by the beliefs you have in a risen Savior to give you the strength to live the life God's called you to. And it's powerful, powerful stuff. And what I love here, and what's so important for us to catch, guys, is that as he's saying, belief and life are intertwined. As he's saying, keep your eye on what you believe and on how you live. Here's what we here's what we see. And this is really what we see all through scripture. We see, guys, that belief enables living. Okay? So here here, let me talk to the legalists for a minute, okay? If you're over here, and I'll tell you this right now, in this point of my life, if I had to tell you which way I went, right now I would say I'd probably struggle more going this way toward the legalistic side, okay? So here I am, here's Doug, and I'm going here, and I'm trying, right? And I'm, I want to do this, and I want to get you know closer and do it, okay? And the reality is, guys, if I'm trying to live this out apart from belief in Jesus and understanding what he's done for me and being moved by his love for me and being moved by the fact that I know and I believe and I understand that the Spirit of God is inside of me, okay? Then over here, I'm just going to be frustrated, okay? So belief and life are intertwined, and belief, that's where it starts. You know, if you're not a Christian here tonight, I'm not saying, come on, get your life right, and then, you know, while you're doing that, try to add some belief in there. See, the way it works, and the people that are here in the room around you that have been transformed by God, is it starts here. It starts by understanding what Jesus has done for you, and as that happens, you are changed, and it's impossible Guys, catch this. Check your heart, okay? I'm not saying we're perfect. We still stumble. We still fall. We still struggle times, okay? But check your heart on this. Would you say that your belief in Him has been producing life change? And would you say that life change in you isn't because of your own willpower, but is because of the belief in Him? Do you see how they work together? Do you see how one impacts the other and the other looks right back to the first. So you have these two things working together, and I want you to kind of think of it this way. When I was in college, a bunch of us went on a trip, and we had two of our professors with us, and they were awesome guys, and we were at this church, this really big church, and they said, all right, you guys kinda just do whatever you want, which is a bad idea to tell us. And um, so the professors actually came up with the idea, we're going to have like an all-out epic like water battle, okay? And it was like whatever you want, like water balloons, Pictures of water, hoses, like however you can get somebody wet, go for it, right, and so it was literally the two of them versus all of us, probably 30 or 40 college students, and so we're going around, we're running, we're throwing balloons and stuff, and whatever, it was okay, right, um, but then one of my friends whips out, he had a balloon launcher, and I was like, all right, cool, and so I got this balloon launcher, and my, my buddies, I mean, it was like a pretty serious one, so one guy's holding it, you know, on this side, the other guy's holding it over here, and I was in the middle, and I put the balloon in there, And I just pulled that thing back, and my professor is walking across toward us about 100 feet away. He's got two pitchers of water in his hand. And I just pulled this thing back and let it fly, right? It went flying, and before we even, like, realized what happened, the balloon hit the pitchers, and they exploded, okay? And he's absolutely drenched, okay? He just, like, looks up at us and just turns around and runs. He's just gone, okay? Now, what I want you to realize here, guys, okay, is many of us are over here, and we're in the water fight, right? We're, we're legalists. We're, we're religious people. We're in the water fight, but we have no power. We're, we're like, we're picking up balloons and throwing. Like, imagine if I had just picked up a water balloon and thrown it at my professor. He could have just moved one way or the other, right? It would have been, like, no big deal, okay? And that's a lot of us. We're, like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this, and, and there's this frustration, and there's this feeling of failure because we're not catapulted here, And you know what? When I had that balloon launch, man, that balloon was catapulted, right? Not because of me, but because now there was a catapult in the situation. Now there was something to move it, something to give it power and momentum. And guys, that's what our belief in Jesus does. Our belief catapults us to a place of being able to live out what God calls us to. And this is some of the tension of 1 Timothy, right? We're going to talk about this. This Do we still have to obey the commands of the Bible? Are we still commanded to do things in Scripture? We're going to talk about that. But the beautiful thing is, guys, is that the obedience comes out of an understanding of what Jesus has done for us and who he has made us to be. And so that's the catapult for us. Now, some of you guys might be thinking this, okay? Some of you guys might be thinking, if you're not a Christian, maybe you might be thinking, you know, I feel like this guy's just talking about how because he's got belief or he's got faith that he's able to live a different way, okay? And so maybe you're thinking it doesn't really matter who your belief or your faith is in. It just matters that you have belief or faith. It's almost like you have faith in faith. You know know what I mean by that? Almost like you have belief in belief. Like like belief is the thing that is the empowering agent here. And guys, the reality is, is that's not true at all, okay? The belief is just simply landing on the empowering agent. Who's the empowering agent? And that's Jesus. Okay, so if you're sitting here thinking, ah, anybody that's religious, or anybody that kind of has a way of belief, might claim that it's helping them live a different way. But guys, the truth is, um, as I've gotten to know people of other faiths, one thing that I've heard over and over again that they're frustrated about, is that there seems to be something different about Christians. And not perfect Christians, as here I'm having to give a message about hypocrisy a little bit here, right? But that they recognize there's something in play here. There's something different. There's something at work. And what is that? What is that? What is that? What what is the What is the reason that this matters so much so that I can live out this? The reason this matters so much is because when I get and understand God's love for me, it catapults me to live a certain way. I mean, that's just true in human relationships, right? I understand my wife's sacrificial love for me, you know, and she'll do this for me, do that for me. What does it do? It catapults me to live a certain way, right? Um, so it's understanding God's love, but there's a second part to it too that's so vital. It's understanding that God's spirit lives in us. God's spirit lives in us. So do you see, all right, belief, not just belief in belief, not just faith in faith, but belief in the catapult who is Jesus right? Helps me understand that I'm loved, which catapults me to live the way he wants me to live, and helps me to understand that the Spirit of God is inside of me. So catch this guy, so powerful. Rather than Doug over here going, I'm going to overcome this anger thing. I'm going to overcome this pride thing. I'm going, okay, I'm loved, which motivates me to want to live the right way. But number two, the Spirit of God is inside of me. And the Bible says that that's the Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And so if I've got pride issues, or if I've got jealousy issues, or if I've got anger issues, man, it's kind of it's like me standing with the water balloons throwing in my own strength to try to get rid of this stuff, when in reality, I've got a catapult at my, expo- at my, at my you know, disposal. I can, I can tap into what God's Spirit is doing, and I have, by God's grace, what it takes. I don't have what it takes. I have the catapult in my life. I have the one who can enable me? And so do you. And so if you're over here and you're just driving yourself crazy, I'd ask yourself this question. Have I been catapulted to live this life or am I just standing here by myself? And if you're over here, I would ask yourself this question. Does this great faith I have in God ever catapult me to live a life that looks like He lived? And see, we struggle here. And that's what First Timothy is all about. Guard your belief. Guard guard the way you live. Watch your belief. Watch your lifestyle. Don't let them disconnect. Because the truth is, guys, if, if you have great faith, but you're not living it, then you're a hypocrite. And if you have not so much faith and your relationship with God isn't much, but you're really working toward it and you're trying, you're trying to be a good person or you're trying to be a better Christian, then you're just legalistic or religious. But if you're here where belief and life connect and intertwine, then you're in a loving relationship with Jesus and you're growing. And it's a process. And it will take time. And I'm not saying, here I stand, this perfect guy, by any stretch of the imagination. But I do stand here, by God's grace, someone that's growing. Someone that's learning, by his grace, to put that sinful stuff down. To respond in obedience to him. Not because I'm trying to earn something from him, but because I've already received something from him. You guys, see, this is where it gets so tricky, and I'm really excited about this series because I think it'll help clear up some questions in our minds about what Scripture really calls us to. I think so much of it is just a misunderstanding of how we get there, that we're not called to try to obey God because if we don't, then he hates us. Well, we're called to obey God because he loves us, because he wants to shield us and protect us. He wants to lead us to great things. And in that, he's the one empowering us in the first place. And so I don't know where you fall in all this. I don't know what side of this you fall on. But I want you to know tonight, and this is the theme of our whole series, that there's just one simple thought, four words. Belief and life are intertwined. Belief and life are intertwined. Not separate. Not apart. Not one or the other. Not one sometimes and sometimes the other but always together. And so ask yourself, if you're over here, and you'd say, man, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. But if I'm honest, man, my life has not been changed. Then tonight, you have the opportunity to go to God and say that very thing to him. He knows it anyway, right? Say that very thing to him. God, I, if I'm real, I believe you are no longer in that grave. God, I, I believe that you... Were risen back from the dead. You did pay, I believe you're a historical figure who paid for my sins, all that. But if I'm honest, I don't feel like my life has been changed. I don't feel like I've been catapulted to a place where I'm living the way that you've called me to in your word. Ask him for strength. Ask him, God, would you take me to that place where I'm living in obedience to you because of your love, because of your spirit inside of me? And if you're legalistic or, or religious, and you say, man, I, I can do this, I, I, I've got this, it's under control, would you just maybe take a step back tonight and ask yourself the question, am I catapulted over here because of my belief in a risen Savior? Am I catapulted over here because of His incredible love and because His Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus back from the dead, is alive in me? You see, these are powerful things. And too often we separate these. And what's so scary is then people who, don't go to, you know, people who don't have a relationship with God look at us and they maybe see a hypocrite. Or maybe they see someone who's working real hard and who wants to work real hard and get nowhere. But in reality, he says, belief and life are intertwined. Watch them closely. And just read these last few verses together and close down. He says, persevere in them. Persevere in watching your life and your doctrine closely. And then he says this. This is so cool. It's going to take it beyond you. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now we have to understand that verse the right way. He's not saying that you will save these people. I want you to catch this. Please just stick with me. I'm going to pray in about two minutes. Ready? This is how this works. It's beautiful because it doesn't just end with you. It goes beyond you. So he's saying, Timothy, Watch yourself. Watch what you believe. Watch how you live. Persevere in them, right? And he says, and if you do, you'll save yourself. Well, he's not really going to save himself. Timothy didn't die on the cross for anybody, right? So what is he doing? Well, if he watches his belief, what's his belief? It's that Jesus took the penalty for him. It's that Jesus rose from the dead. And so his belief is in Jesus. And so that saves him, But what's so cool is his his belief catapults him to live a certain way. And when he's living a certain way, his hearers are looking at him, right? The people who know him are looking at his life and they're saying, something's going on in that guy's life. There's something I don't have. There's a a self-control. There's a, could it be even the spirit of God in that person? And others will be saved. So you guys see that? How awesome that is? It's not just that you won't be a hypocrite anymore or that you won't be legalistic anymore. That those are both true. And how awesome, how freeing. But then it goes on to this further place where others are looking at your life saying, man, not only does that guy talk like he knows Jesus, but he lives it. And there's a self-control there I've never seen before. There's a peace there, there's a hope there, there's a joy there, there's a love there, there's a compassion there that I've never seen before. And suddenly belief in life are intertwined. And they're affecting you. And they're affecting those you know. And so ask yourself those hard questions tonight. Am I living this for real? And am I trying to earn something from God? Or am I just responding to His love and responding to the truth that His Spirit is in me? And so I hope you'll carry that thought just those few words with you this week. I hope as you guys wake up tomorrow and head out to school or to work, you'll be thinking. Belief and life are intertwined. What I did last night, those songs that I sung, those people, those words up on those screens, that at the moment I felt like as I was looking at what Paul wrote to Timothy was like, I want that. Well, today, when I walk into the office today, when I walk into school, tonight as you go home and you see your parents, tonight when you sit down at the computer and there's the opportunity to go back on that website again, tonight when you have the opportunity to decide where you're going to go with your boyfriend or girlfriend, hang out with a group of people, or go be by yourself in some spot, you know you could get yourself in trouble, I want you to remember that belief and life are intertwined. And the awesome thing is, is that because of your belief, you have the power to live the life. And so will you take that? Will you live that? And will you affect others with that? Because belief and life are intertwined. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that you care. We're thankful, God, that, that there are many of us in the room tonight that were born to be wild, God, that, that live that life, that have missed somehow that transforming power, that, that catapult that sends us to that place of living a different life. And I pray that you'll help us. If you find yourself there, if you believe, but you aren't changed, would you go to him and be honest with him? And would you ask him to help you understand his love for you? Would you ask him to help you understand the power of the spirit that he's placed inside you? And if you're over on the other side and you lean toward trying to earn things from God and trying to do things to please him, not because you love him, but because you hope he's not mad at you anymore or you hope that he can get you out of a jam or would you just be real with him and say, I, this, none of this is fueled by a love for you, God. This is just me trying to earn my way to you. Or this is me just wanting things from you. But God, tonight I pray that you would be that catapult in my life. Continue to reveal to me your love and teach me, God, more and more to understand the power of the Spirit that you've placed in me. And if you're not a Christian, this is what it's supposed to look like. Not hypocrisy and not religion, a relationship. And if you want to start a relationship with Jesus tonight, then really it's something that he's doing in your life. But the way to kind of start a conversation with him is something like this, and you can just pray this quietly to him. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. That's where I have to start, is belief. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe you took away my sin. And now I pray, God, that you'll be the catapult in my life to enable me to live for you. Help me to live a life where belief in life are intertwined.